0: Welcome to another installment of The Chronicles of Gadget and Cadfile, A series of stories told to me, Tashmafuni, by Brother Cadfile, a gnome monk who has retired to the Tien Monastery about his amazing adventures with Gadget, a gnomish engineer who has a knack for getting involved in some real mysteries around Azeroth.
1: Hello, Brother Cadfile. Are you home? Well, well, good afternoon, Tosh Mafuni. How how very nice to see you again. Although, I am beginning to notice that you always seem to show up around um, tea time. Oh, (laughs) um, well? There, there, No, no need to be embarrassed. There's always plenty, and I do so enjoy our little visits. There are still some chocolates left from last week. Would you, um, would you care for one? Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes, thank you very much.
0: Uh, 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 Oh, coconut? Again? (sighs) Okay, so, Brother Cadfile, I know I and all of my listeners are very anxious to know how your adventure during the Love Is in the Air festival
1: ended. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Have a seat, and I will continue the story of the adventure that I'm calling The Scent of a Goblin. Now, if I can just recall where I left off. Well, as I recall, Marion Sutton had just sent you off to track down Snivel Rustrocket before he left for the South Seas. Thank you, young Pendaren. So, The lovely young human female Marion Sutton, who had been so ill-used by the goblin snivel rust rocket, had come to the horrifying realization that she had been subjected to a mind-altering chemical that had made her fall in love with the aforementioned cad. Now my dear friend Gadget is by no means a romantic, but she has a finely tuned sense of honor and justice. As we hastened to the stormwind docks to intercept the miscreant, Gadget said to me, "Cadfile, I'm determined to square accounts with this rustrocket fellow on that young human's behalf. I couldn't agree more, Gadget, I replied, but let us not lose sight of the Crown Chemical Company. I tell you this entire affair smells of corruption. Gadget gave me a curious look and said, Interesting turn of phrase, dear fellow, for my thoughts were beginning to move along those same lines. I asked her what she meant by that, but she would say no more. The trade district was still bustling with lovers in the air festival revelers, but we quickly passed into the quieter Cathedral Square. From there, we made a very brief stop to pay our respects at Lion's Rest before passing through the great stone tunnel that leads to Stormwind Harbor. As we passed out of the shadow of the tunnel, my senses were all but overwhelmed by the dazzling vista and the sounds and smells of this magnificent harbor. Gadget's voice shook me for my momentary engrossment. I think I see him, Cadfile," she called from where she stood by the fountain monument at the base of the stairs. She had a small spyglass trained on a spot near one of the piers below. I hurried to her side and she handed me the spyglass. That's him, all right, Gadget, I said once I had focused in. I turned to hand her the spyglass back, but she was already off, her lovely pink ponytail bobbing behind her as she all but flew down the many sets of stone stairs leading down to the harbor. I pushed the spyglass in my healer's bag and hastened to catch up with her. I caught up with Gadget just as she cornered Rust Rocket against a massive ballista. Rust Rocket was protesting loudly at being accosted just as he was about to board a ship. Gadget was pressing the matter. I have a rocket here with your mark on it, snivel, she said, waving the small projectile we had retrieved from a crowned chemical crate. Rust Rocket looked a little nervous and downplayed his involvement. He admitted to being well paid for making some rockets that were to be used to deliver an airborne chemical payload. But he insisted he had no idea what it was for or to where they had been delivered and that he was bound to silence by the terms of his contract. It wasn't until Gadget trained her boomstick on Rust Rocket that he relented and proffered a ledger from his sack. Look, they don't pay me enough to put up with this and the contract only asked for my silence. So I'm just going to drop my ledger on the floor here and you're going to take it and leave me alone. As I stepped forward to pick up the dropped ledger, Gadget grabbed Rustrocket by the front of his collar and pulled him in close to her. I heard her whispering hoarsely into his ear in a very threatening tone. Rustrocket's green complexion took on a distinctly pastel hue as the blood drained from his face. Gadget released him and he hurried down the pier to board his ship, occasionally glancing over his shoulder to see if Gadget was following. My goodness, what did you say to him, Gadget? She gave me a feral grin. Let's just say that Snivel Rustrocket will think long and hard before ever breaking a young female's heart. We returned the ledger to Inspector Snip Snagglebolt, who was quite excited by its contents. He noted that it contained numerous Crown Chemical Company locations that he believed were delivery points for the suspicious rockets. He pointed at one particular ledger entry and asked Gadget and I whether we would consider going there and dealing with whatever we might find. Gadget sighed but said, In for a copper, in for a gold, I suppose. Shall we see this affair to its end, Cadphile? I agreed, and we made our way to the flight master and Amber Mill in Silver Pine Forest. I won't bore you with the details of this very unpleasant and somewhat tedious task, but suffice it to say that the day ended quite poorly for a number of Crown Chemical Company thugs, as well as a chemical wagon that was secreted within Amber Mill. But it is worth noting that during this encounter, I stumbled upon some scraps of paper that I showed to Gadget. Well done, stout fellow, Gadget explained as she looked through them. These look quite important. Let's return them to the good inspector, shall we? We rode our hired horses out of Amber Mill towards Chilwyn Camp and our flight home. The smoking ruins of the chemical wagon sending a black cloud high into the air above Amber Mill behind us. Inspector Snagglebolt was indeed quite pleased with my find. Apparently, it was the recipe for the airborne chemical that was to be deployed in the rockets produced by Snivel Rust Rocket. The inspector felt that this information would be the key to producing an antidote. Gadget nodded and said, excellent. Well, Inspector, I believe that will conclude our business with you. And now, as to the matter of payment. The inspector gave Gadget and I an appraising look and said, of course, I can pay you now if you'd like, but you have a chance of an even greater payment if you will go into Fan Keep and take out the masterminds behind this whole thing. Gadget's brow furrowed. How much greater, she asked. The inspector leaned in and said in a conspiratorial tone, Have you ever heard of the X-45 Heartbreaker? And he gave us a wink and laid a finger along his nose. Gadget's pink eyebrows rose almost to her hairline. Indeed I have, good sir, she exclaimed. We will take your deal. As we traveled to Shadowfang Keep, I asked Gadget, what is this X-45 Heartbreaker? Gadget smiled wistfully. "Uh, Ah, Cadphile, it's a rare vehicle of surpassing speed and technological advancement. Until recently, it was called the Big Love Rocket. I sniggered a bit at this appellation, but Gadget gave me a stern look. I personally found that name somewhat offensive, Cadfile, as did many others, she said in an admonishing tone, and I stifled my laughter. We were fortunate enough to encounter several other adventurers at the entrance to Shadowfang Keep, so Gadget asked if we might join them. They gave me a skeptical look, but when they saw Gadget's impressive boomstick with its patina of great use, they readily agreed. And so we entered into the heart of the Crown Chemical Company's bioweapons operations, manned and operated by three very threatening looking forsaken apothecaries. Apothecary Fry, Apothecary Baxter, and their leader, Apothecary Hummel. As we stood at the top of the stairs preparing to enter the battle, Gadget looked at me and said, are you sure you're ready for this? I thought for a moment and said, I'll do my best. Gadget gave me a sour look and was going to say something. But at that moment, the rest of our party charged down the stairs. Upon seeing us, Apothecary Hummel shouted to his companions, Baxter, get in here and help now! And shortly thereafter, it is time, Fry, attack! Gadget rushed Apothecary Baxter, who, to my horror, threw out a green cloud of musky cologne. Gadget dropped her boomstick and fell to her knees, pressing her palms to her eyes and groaning. The concentrated cloud triggered her allergic reaction to perfume completely overwhelming her. Realizing that I had nothing in my healing bag that would suffice, I cast my gaze around for anything that might help. I immediately saw a table containing a collection of beakers. I hurried to the table and grabbed as many as I could carry. I took them to Gadget and administered them, hoping one would help. In the meantime, the battle raged around us and Apothecary Baxter fell, calling out, It has been the greatest honor of my life to serve with you, Hummel. And when he fell, the cloud dissipated and Gadget began to recover her sight. I pulled a towel out of my bag, soaked it with water, tied it around Gadget's nose and mouth, and helped her to her feet. She nodded and said with a hoarse voice muffled by the towel, well played, dear fellow. I smiled and said, a wise gnome once told me, always know where your towel is. With her vision recovered, Gadget re-entered the battle, now facing off with Apothecary Fry, Her lesson learned Gadget stayed well back and away from the clouds and pools of perfume as I engaged in healing for the rest of our group. During the melee, I heard Gadget call out to the set-upon Forsaken, I say, you don't happen to be related to Barnabas Fry, the trade goods vendor at Vengeance Landing? but the poor fellow fell before he could answer Gadget, saying only in a rueful voice, Great, we're not gutless, we're incompetent. Gadget stood over his body briefly and said, Pity, Barnabas Fry is a fine fellow for a forsaken, an honest dealer. Remind me to pay my respects to Barnabas when next we're in the howling fjord, cadfile. I plucked at Gadget's sleeve. I certainly will... But in the meantime, and I nodded towards the ongoing battle with Apothecary Hummel. Gadget turned on her heel and raised her boomstick to train it on Apothecary Hummel. It issued three loud reports, finding its mark each time with astonishing accuracy, given the close melee going on around the forsaken leader. As Apothecary Hummel fell, he groaned and said, in a surprisingly touching voice, "'Please don't think less of me.' "'It was unclear to me whether he was speaking to us "'or to his fallen companions.' "'After a brief respectful moment, "'Gadget began to rifle through his robes, bags, and satchels. "'I had never seen Gadget behave like this "'and kneeled next to her, putting my hand on her shoulder. "'I heard her muttering, "'It must be here somewhere.' "'I asked her softly, "'Gadget, what are you looking for?' There was a strange fiery look in her eyes as she answered. I don't know exactly keys, maybe, or a device of some type. Help me look, Cadfile." Somewhat reluctantly, I helped her look. But after a few moments, she pulled a heart-shaped box from a fold of the fallen Forsaken's robe. Eureka, she shouted, whipping the towel from her face, which was now glowing with triumph. She grasped my shoulder, smiling madly. Let's get this back to Inspector Snagglebolt, Cadfile. Mystified at this unusual behavior, I followed Gadget out of the keep and we traveled back to Stormwind. Back in the trade district, Gadget strode up to Inspector Snagglebolt, handing him the heart shaped box. And now for our payment, Inspector, she said, smiling broadly. He took the box and produced a clever looking device, slotting it into the edge of the box. It snapped open, and he peered into the box, smiling. Well, what a nice memento of your adventure, he said, and he handed the open box to Gadget. She took it from him, eagerly, and reached into the box. Her face fell with disappointment as she pulled out a lovely rose. The latter part of that day found Gadget and I back here in my rooms at the monastery. Gadget sat dejectedly in front of the brazier, damp strands of her freshly washed pink hair peeking out from the towel wrapped around her head. I poured her another cup of strong tea and asked, Feeling better after washing off all the perfume and cologne? She nodded and sighed. Cadfile, remind me next time we are dealing with a goblin to ask what the odds are of getting the greater payment. If I had known I had less than a one out of a hundred chance of getting the heartbreaker, I would have taken the lesser payment. I chuckled softly and sank into the chair across from her. Well, Gadget, there's always next year. And besides, you may not have gotten the X-45 heartbreaker, but you did get a lovely rose. Oh, and while I am thinking of it, and I produced the rose I had bought her from the crown vendor in Ironforge. I gently laid it on the table, crossing its stem with the one from the rose she had gotten from the heart-shaped box. She arched an eyebrow at the roses, pulled the robe I had given her closer around her, sank further into the chair, and with a slight hint of humor mumbled into her tea. What a silly holiday. We fell into a companionable silence and as the evening fell, the firelight from the brazier danced on the two roses and the heart-shaped box on the table between us. Thanks
0: for listening to another installment of The Chronicles of Gadget and file Sponsored by Utopia Sky. Utopia Sky. Because the future is calling. The Chronicles of Gadget and Cadphile is a work of fan fiction based on World of Warcraft. All place names, character names, and music from World of Warcraft used herein are the exclusive property of Blizzard Entertainment. World of Warcraft is a trademark or registered trademark of Blizzard Entertainment, Inc. in the U.S. and other countries. No copyright or trademark infringement is intended by the half Report. If you would like to reach us, you can find us on Twitter at halfhillreport or drop us an email at halfhillreport at yahoo.com.